Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Lord, book of John, chapter number nine, verses number one. Uh, the scripture declares, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? That's an interesting question. How, how can he be born blind and he sinned? But Jesus, Jesus responds in verse number three, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus says something very powerful in verse number four. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, put it on the man's eyes. Verse number seven declares, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing Father, now in the name of the Lord Jesus, I want to thank you once again for an opportunity to share the word of God with the people of God. Uh, Despite what's going on around the world, even despite (laughs) the technical difficulties that we're having today, God, it's it's my endeavor, Father, to please you in what I do and in what I say. So now I'm hiding myself behind the cross that men may not give honor, glory to Greg, but all honor, all glory goes to you. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. We begin a series of thought um, on last week simply entitled Faithful Over a Few. This particular title series speaks to Matthew 25, 23, when Jesus, in the middle of a parable, he encourages the disciples with this thought that if you're faithful over your few things, then I will make you ruler over many. And so I just want to just briefly highlight just some of the just some of the thoughts that we lifted on last Sunday. Um, in Daniel chapter number six, something very powerful happens in verses number one, two, and three. The scripture declares that please Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. Now understand what's happening in this particular text. Uh, The kingdom is using wisdom. The king is using wisdom. He's using a strategy. He has a large kingdom and he's literally dividing his kingdom up into 120 cities. He's appointing 120 mayors or satraps. And over these over these 120 cities, he's going to appoint three governors. We understand that Daniel is one of the governors that he is going to appoint. So we asked the question on last week, what what was it about Daniel that enabled him to be favored as he was to be one of these three high officials, one of these three governors? And we lifted up three points. We said, number one, it's the favor of God upon his life, the hand of God resting heavily upon his life. We see that from verse, from, from chapter number one, all the way to chapter number 12, we see the gifts of God being manifested. And then finally, we see divine connections happening in his life. And that's what enables him to get into the door.
floor to be promoted. Watch this. Uh, as, one of the, as one of the three governors. But something crazy happens in verse number three. And, and I'm going to do my best. I'm really excited about the word that God has placed in my belly. But I'm going to do my best really not to work, rush through this word, but really just take my time and allow the spirit of God to communicate effectively from me to you guys on today. In verses number three, the Bible declares, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Now, let me press pause for a second. He was favored enough. He was gifted enough. He was connected enough to get inside the door. But once he got inside the door, his gifts was not enough to promote him. The, the, the hand of God, the favor of God, his, his connections, his political connections wasn't enough to get him promoted in the door. Watch this. They got him of the job, but when it came time for promotion, what promoted him was this attitude of excellence. So, so we define the spirit of excellence as this. We defined it as an attitude that causes one to do their best and do and, and be their best despite external factors. Let me say it again. An, an excellent spirit is an attitude that causes one to, number one, be their best. Number two, do their best despite external factors. So this is the question that is going to be the launching pad for not only today but for the next two weeks as well. What are the common characteristics of those who live an excellent life? Let me just press pause on that just for a second. What, what are the common characteristics of those who live an excellent life? I want to look from a biblical historical point of view. The, the characters in the scripture who I see are excellent or the bite, not perfect, but excellent from a contemporary standpoint, my, my mentors and those that are around me, when I look at their lives, I see them as individuals, watch this, that they have an attitude that causes them to be their best and to do their best. And, and again, for the next three weeks, I want to highlight three, three characteristics of those individuals who are not perfect, but they live an excellent life. So today, I want to highlight this one characteristic, and it is that they manage time well. Help, help me preach this for a moment. Just put in the chat, time management. Time, time management. And I want to lift a man in the scripture, Jesus, that literally only had three and a half years of ministry. And because he managed his time so well in three and a half years, we literally are talking about it, preaching about it, and trying to be about it. 2,000 years later, three and a half years of public ministry and what he did in three and a half years because he managed his time so well over 2,000 years later, we still tripping over the life that he lived. Watch this. In the book of John, chapter number two, verses number one, the Bible declares on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of, Gal of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also invited to the wedding. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. Verse 3 declares, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, now if you're taking notes, I need you to jot these two things down. Number one, jot this down. Not, don't allow every emergency to become your emergency. Let me just press pause and allow that to saturate in the atmosphere. Don't, don't allow every emergency to become your emergency. If you're taking notes, add this to that statement because some emergencies are simply the results 
of misappropriated resources. Yeah. Watch this. I got a stimulus check just like you got a stimulus check. And how is it that I'm asking you for your check when I wasted mine? Come on, somebody. And there are times when people have created emergencies in their lives. Watch this. They've created emergencies in their lives because they have misappropriated the resources that God has given them. And they will try to put a guilt trip on you to rob you of your resources, sometimes your finances, and yes, even your time to fulfill a void that they themselves created. Now, now watch this. I, I had a situation. Situation just a, just a couple of weeks ago, and, and it was a it was a very very tough conversation, a very tough conversation. I had to look this particular individual in the eyeballs, and I told them to stay away from my babies. Grown, grown, grown. I'm talking about a grown individual. I had to look them in their face and tell them stay away from my babies. Now watch the wisdom. What they tried to do in return is put a guilt trip on me and try to confuse my Christianity with my sternness. In essence, they were saying that if you were a real Christian, you would allow me to keep acting a fool in front of your babies and wouldn't do nothing. But the devil is absolutely a liar. And sometimes people will try to uh, confuse your, your, your salvation, your love for people, and your love for God. Watch this. With your ability to be stern about your focus. The reality is the proof of my Christianity is feeling God telling me to do something about the situation that keep popping off instead of just laying down and allow them to just run wild and do whatever they want to do. I'm telling you, sometimes people will try to create a, a guilt trip on the inside of you to get you to do stuff that you don't have time to do or you don't have the resources to do. If you can share, my friend, you should share. If you can help, you can help. But understand, Jesus is in a situation. He only has three and a half years on the earth. Three and a, That's all he has, period. Three and a half years on on the earth. He has no time to waste time at all. Now, one of the things I want to lift out of this particular text that we often miss, because too many times we get caught up in the miracle that Jesus did, but the point really was not just the miracle, because according to the narrator, he says that this was the first miracle that Jesus performed. Now, now I want you to receive that. This is the first miracle that Jesus performed. So if Jesus' mother comes to him and says, Jesus, they have run out of wine. I need you to do something. She's not actually asking Jesus to do a miracle because he's never done a miracle before. She's never seen her son perform a miracle before. So what is it that she's actually asking Jesus to do? She's asking Jesus to spend some of his three and a half years that he has left on earth going to get something that people fail to prepare for. I just want to let that marinate in the atmosphere just for a moment. So Jesus does a miracle, watch this, to save time because I don't have time to go and get wine for a wedding when people fail to plan. I'm telling you today, you've got to learn how to guard your time. And in guarding your time, there are times when you simply need to say, no, sir, no, ma'am, I can't do it. Because understand, every time you say yes to something, by default, you're saying no. When you commit to saying yes to, to giving your time to giving your resource that's time that you do not have for something else that's resources that you don't have for something else and there are times when people ask you for time that you owe God y'all ain't saying nothing in this place there are times when people ask you for resources that you're supposed to be given to God and you put your word on it you commit to it and when you commit to it you say no by default to other things that God 
may have you, you doing. I hope I'm making sense in this place. Let's dive deeper. Book of Luke, chapter number 2, verse number 42. I just want to slow walk this thing down because I need this, I need this word to marinate in your spirit. Because understand, when I, prayed, when I prayed just a couple of weeks ago, in the midst of this pandemic, I told God that I don't want to just survive, but I want to thrive. And this is what God began to minister to me weeks ago. If you want to thrive, it's not about my hand of God. It's not about my hand being upon your life. If you want to thrive in this season, it's not about your connections, neither is, neither is it about your gifting. Matter of fact, he told me, don't worry about my gifts for this season. Sharpen your gifts for next season because your gifts are as sharp as they need to be for this particular season. But if you want to do more than just survive, if you want to thrive, you need to develop an excellent spirit about yourself. You need to develop an attitude that you're going to be your best and do your best despite the external environment around you. Now watch the wisdom of what I'm saying here because there are some of you guys that walked away last week and you're going to walk away this week and you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to do my best. I'm going to be my best and you're going to deceive yourself because it's one thing to say that I'm going to work out every morning, but it's another thing to go ahead and prepare your clothes before you get up. Come on, before you go to bed the next night so that when you do wake up, you can work out. It's one thing to say that I'm going to be a better husband, but it's a whole nother ball game to make plans to come home earlier so that you can spend time with your wife. You say, I'm okay, I'm, I'm convicted. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better mother. It's one thing to say that, but it's a whole nother ball game to put things in place that by default it caters to you being a better whoever it is that God is calling you to be. I wonder, can you say amen there? The book of Luke, chapter number two, verse number 42, the scripture declares when he was 12 years old, they went to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while, he, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. So three days goes by and they go back and they find Jesus in the temple um, conversing with some, of, with some of the rulers there. Verse number 48 picks up and it says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know? Look at Jesus now. Jesus says, didn't you know I had to be about my father's house? 51, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Now, let's press pause for a second. Okay, so th this is what I, I did. Um, I really did spend time studying on time management. I, I spent time really researching uh, the thoughts from both a um, secular as well as a, a biblical perspective. And I got a whole bunch of nuggets out of, out of what I read and what I studied, but none of what I studied, watch this, what I studied, I'm actually going to apply to my life and I believe it's going to make me better, but none of what I studied, I'm actually going to highlight in this particular message but because what I'm, what I'm highlighting right now is practical things scripturally that I see that oftentimes we miss and I want to highlight this, this thought. If you're taking notes again, jot this down. Effectively, effectively and continually communicate priority to those who matter. Effectively and continually communicate priorities to those who matter. Everybody doesn't matter. But there are people in your life who do, who do matter. Jot this down. Failure to communicate meaning provokes tension amongst those who love you. 
I need you to get that today. Failure to communicate meaning provokes tension amongst those who love you. Let me give you a, an example. So since I was 13 years old, I knew that I was called to preach. I knew that I would be doing this, ministering to people, leading people, pastoring, so forth, so on. I'm 40, 41 years old now. I'll be 42 later on this year. So since I was 13 years old, I've been not only doing this, but I've been preparing this, preparing for this and sharpening my life for this. My wife, when I met her at the age of 19 years old and we start dating, she really didn't know what all she was signing up for. Because in order for me to do this, you, you'd be, some of you guys would absolutely be amazed at the amount of time that I actually spend studying and read. I'm going to read anywhere from one to two books a week, every week. It doesn't matter whether I'm preaching or not. Every week, I'm going to read at least one, possibly two books a week. Sometimes it's present sermon preparation. Sometimes it's a series that I got upcoming. So I'm going to go ahead and do some of the groundwork. So, so in, in, my, in what I do, there are literally hours of time that I spend in a book on my computer studying, preparing for what it is that God wants to do. Because my wife did not understand the life of a teacher, I understood it because I actually grew up. My dad was a teacher. My dad is a teacher. And, and I actually adopted his study skill, his study style. My daddy spends hours studying the Word of God. He spent hours in books. So I adopted that same thing. So watch this. My wife loves me. And because she loves me, she sees something that I'm doing that I might be wasting time in her, in her opinion. And the reason she sees that I might be wasting time or, or even overspending time studying is because not, it's not just because she don't understand. It's because I have failed to communicate my priorities in, her, in our lives. My priority is that I've got to spend time in the Word of God. My priority is that I've got to hear, because even as I'm standing before you guys here today, I'm not just standing here because I studied well. I'm standing here not only because I studied well, but God began to speak to me concerning what I am to communicate to you guys today. I failed to communicate priorities to my wife, and because I failed to communicate, there was always a tension when it was time to study. There was a tension when it was, a time, when it was time for me to seek the face of God, because I, I, didn't, I didn't communicate it. Now watch this. What I'm talking about today, I'm talking about for you and I, my friend, we need to maximize the time that we have left. And in maximizing the time, there are people around you in your inner circle who really do love you, and you have ventured off into certain things that they don't quite understand, and you're experiencing pushback from them, and you are wasting time arguing with them because you have failed to properly communicate what it is you're trying to do. Now watch this. I wasted time. I, I, didn't, I didn't communicate. I didn't effectively communicate to my wife. I argued with her. I sparred mentally with her about me having to spend a lot of time studying the Word of God. So I wasted time there, and then I wasted time again because even when I did get off to myself, when I was able to, to be in a quiet space, watch this, I had to spend another 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour and a half, just recalibrating my mind so that I can get in that place where I can hear the voice of God and where I can really tap into that vein again. Many of us are wasting time fighting with people, and the reason it's time wasted is because you have failed to properly communicate 
priorities. Look what Jesus did. Now, we understand that Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. And there are several points within the gospel that we see that that's humanity right there of Jesus. When you look at chapter number two, verses number 48, Jesus says something that is very human. He says, didn't you know? Didn't you know? That is very human to just assume that people know what's going on in your head. He says, didn't you know? Verse 51 says, then he went along, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Watch this. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He had to grow in wisdom. And I'm challenging you guys, there are some areas of wisdom that you need to grow in when it comes to communicating where you are spending time. Because if you don't communicate it well, you will waste time trying to defend the time that you're spending. Can you say amen right there? John chapter number nine, verses number one. Let's dive a little bit deeper. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Three declares, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, that's that's powerful. I, I just wanted to highlight that particular portion. Jesus says, For the past 20 years, for the past 30 years that this man has walked around blind, unable to see. And the reason he was blind had nothing to do with his parents, nothing to do with him. But intentionally, he was born this way because I saw how I could get glory out of his life. A whole two chapters pass until the explanation is given in John 1041 when he says many people came to him because of this situation. When Jesus heals this blind man, he's going to stir up something so chaotic amongst the Pharisees and Sadducees that many people are going to come to him. 42 says in that place, many believed in Jesus. So watch this. Ooh, this is powerful. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Four says, as long as it is day, We must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, let me pause there for a second. When when I've read this text before, it just pointed to the fact that Jesus understands that I only have three and a half years left. So somewhere between that that three and a half, between his first miracle in Cana of Galilee And the cross, Jesus is living somewhere in between those two points. And so he communicates that what I'm getting ready to do is about to be big. I'm about to, it's not just healing this blind boy, but after healing him, what is going to stir up amongst the religious leaders, causing people to come to me. So he says to them, we must do the works of him who sent me. Uh, night is coming when no one can work. So Jesus knows that he's getting ready to die here soon. So I thought it was Jesus just saying, I got to do this miracle. I got to do what I'm called to do because night is coming. But when you look just a little bit closer, he doesn't say, I must do the works. He says, we must do the works of him who sent me. Why? Night is coming. Now watch this. I need to talk to the procrastinators just for a moment. I need to talk to the individuals who really don't value time the way that you should or could. 
I need you to wake up to this idea, to this truth that night is coming in your life. Jesus knew shortly that my life would be over. My ministry on earth would be over. Night will come. Well, I, will ne- I will not be able to do what I'm doing right now. Night is coming. But he wasn't just communicating this thought to himself, but he was letting us know as well. You will not always be able to do what you're doing right now. As I was meditating on this thought, I'm looking at my, fa- I'm looking at my children, I'm looking at this church, I'm, I'm looking at my, my, my marriage. The, the, way, the way I'm loving my, my, my wife right now, I won't always be able to love her like that. The way I'm spending time with my babies right now, I won't always be able to invest that time like that. In- Watch this. There are conversations that I'm having with Nathaniel at six that if I don't have it with him at six, He's not going to hear it from me at 16. Just want to let that marinate. The conversations that I'm having with my nine-year-old baby girl that if I, if I don't have it with her at nine, night is coming. She's not going to hear it at the age of 19. There's work that we got to do as a church, as a ministry, as the body of Christ because we have time now And the reality is night is coming and there are certain things we won't be able to do. Why are you sitting back chilling as if you got forever? And I'm telling you tonight today, you do not have forever, my friend. Night is, night is coming. Night is coming. Night is coming. I'll never forget when I was was talking to my dad uh, years ago um, about the ministry when we was first getting ready to launch uh, EMCC. And um, God was dealing with me very, very heavily, uh, but I was nervous, I was, I was fearful, I was anxious, uh, all of those things, because I'd never done this before, didn't have all the support that I thought uh, that, I, that I would need to do what, what, what I'm doing right now. And I remember going to, to my father and I told my dad, I said, Dad, um, man, I just don't know. Uh, God wants me to launch a work uh, on the Gulf Coast, but, but I'm, not, I'm not really sure um, if, if I can do this. And my dad looked at me, I'm talking about looked at me in my eyes, and he said, son, whatever you going to do for God, you better do it now. In essence, he was just telling me, son, night is coming. And I'm telling you right now, hear my voice. My friend, you don't have long. You don't have long. You do not have long. Well, pastor, what do you mean I don't have long? When you measure whatever time you got left, be it three years or 30 years, when you measure that and compare it against eternity, you do not have long, my friend. Whatever you're going to do for God, you need to do it right now. If you're going to love your wife, you need, oh, God, help me. I, I had a great conversation with a brother uh, just, just, just two or three days ago, and I told him plainly, man, that if, you, if you're going to love her, if, if, if you're still going to love her, you need to go ahead and start working on forgiving her right now so you can move on and your life can go to the next level because you don't know how long you have with them. I shared this a couple of weeks ago for the past few weeks. Man, I've really been grieving pretty, pretty hard in my spirit uh, because I've literally lost four friends within the past month and a half. And, and had you told me, had you told me three months ago that these, these three buddies of mine would not be here, I'd look at you and I would call you a liar. I didn't know that I wouldn't have time to say, I appreciate you. I didn't know I didn't have time to say, man, I love you and I value the relationship that we have. Night came and it came before I even knew it. And I'm telling you today that night, my friend, it is coming. 
Whatever it is that God has placed in your spirit to do for him in this season, there is a night that is coming. And don't, don't be like the foolish virgins who, who did not make preparations, who do not have oil in their lamp. They were sitting back and they just, ha I guess they just felt that I can always borrow time. I can always borrow resources from somebody else if I happen to run out of time. No, night comes for, it comes for all of us. So what are you doing to prepare for the night? This final thought, if you're taking notes, jot this down. This is what God told me to give to you. God told me to tell you to mind your business by minding your business. Mind, M-I-N-E, mind your business by M-I-N-D, minding your business. When we speak of mining, M-I-N-E, mine, we're speaking of this excavation that happens within the heart, soul of an individual where you spend time digging out all the treasures, all the resources that God has placed on the inside of you. And the only way you can mine is that you have to mind. You have to give attention to what it is that God is challenging you to do right now in this season one one of one of the distractions that i have i have been able to successfully eliminate for the past couple of weeks i would say even months now is all the noise and confusion that i hear on social media and, and everything that i hear on social media is not noise a lot of it is really good stuff but even the good stuff you can be so distracted about what everybody else is doing great that you fail to really mind what you're supposed to be doing in this particular season. And for some, for some, it's, it's time for you to do a better job mining, mining by minding. I, I, I put my social media apps on the farthest screen possible in my iPhone. And the reason I did that is because the, 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 the apps on my home screen are the necessity apps. They are the necessary apps. They are the apps that speak to my destiny. They're the apps that speak to what I'm supposed to be focusing on right now. The other stuff that draws my attention away from what I'm supposed to be doing is way, it's not that it's unimportant, but sometimes it can be a distraction from me doing what it is that I'm called to do. Mind your business by minding your business, giving attention to what it is that God, if you'll do this, my friend, you'll be prepared for the night. You'll be prepared for the night. And that's my challenge. That's my final challenge for today. <sighs> Number one, are you preparing for the night? Number two, are you actually prepared for the night? There's certain things that all of us need to be doing just in general to prepare for the night season of relationships night season of retirement night season of 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 ministry um the, the energy that i have uh, right now I, I have good energy right now um i have good focus right now uh, but there's coming a night season where i won't always have the energy that i have right now to deliver and this is the commitment that I've made personally that I'm not going to spend five years 
killing what took me 50 years to build. When, when the lights begin to go dim on the fire of my personal ministry, that'll be the time where I'll pass the baton on to some other fiery young man, some other fiery young woman. And when that night season comes, so this is what I'm doing. God has already been talking to me about the night season when it comes so that EMCC doesn't die with me. So ministry doesn't die with me. The Apostle Paul, he passed the baton to his son, Timothy, so that the work that he did didn't die with him. What are you doing on purpose when the night season come? Many of you guys still have influence with your kids. You still have their ear and they're willing to listen to you. Are you are you taking advantage of the day and investing the time into them? Because I'm telling you, there's a night season that will come that where either a they won't listen. B, they may not even be in a position to listen. Night is coming. So what are you doing to prepare for the night season in your life? And then finally, again, are you actually prepared for the eternal night season that's coming? Every last one of us, Jesus is going to call us home one day. He's going to call us home. Be it by death by the second coming one way or the other you're going to stand in front of him and I want to know are you prepared to do it because none of us know I'll be honest (laughs) some of the friends that have gone on to be with the Lord within the past few months when I look at their righteousness they were more righteous than me when I look at some of their commitments I used to marvel at some of the things that they did for God. (laughs) So God couldn't have taken them based on those factors alone. I don't know why. But I do know you, my friend, you and I, we're still here. We're still here. So are you prepared for the night season? Because when you close your eyes for the final time, You will stand before the throne. You will stand before the judge and you have to give an account of your life. First question that's going to be asked of you. The book is going to be open. Revelation teaches us. And and there's only one question concerning this particular book. Is your name in the book or is it not in the book? Is it there or isn't it there? Scripture teaches that if we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, if you are a believer, if you are the moment you made a decision to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life, your name appeared in that book. Have you taken that step, sir? Or are you still running, man? Or are you still walking around trying to be a good person? Because I'm telling you today, you you can't do enough good things to earn heaven. It's impossible. If If you could literally do enough good things to earn a position in heaven, that means Jesus wasted his blood because that was the only sacrifice, that was the only substitute that was accepted by the Father because it was a perfect sacrifice. Have you accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior? And it's time for somebody to make that decision today. That's number one. Number two. I'm going to stand before him and the book is going to be open. And my name is there. My name is, my name is there. My name is there. Then Revelation teaches us that the book's plural. 
the books plural are going to be open the Jewish writers they call it the book of deeds in essence it is a recording of your life what's significant about that book I'll tell you because based on your deeds on the earth determines rewards in heaven degrees of suffering in hell rewards in heaven degrees of suffering in hell if your name in the book ain't in the book it's not that you just get eternal lake of fire but there are even degrees of suffering the scripture teaches us even in hell I don't know about you but I want to I want to have a good judgment I want to have a good judgment I want both of my judgments to be good I want the first one for sure to be good because that's <laughs> that's literally a, a matter of life and death and that first judgment is just me acknowledging Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior asking him to dominate asking him to rule my life submitting my bowing my knee to him that that's that's yeah but the second judgment I'm telling you when I woke up to that truth years ago it adjusted how I was living because because what watch this there there are some who embrace grace to their detriment and grace is a powerful teaching it's a powerful tool against the enemy. I, I love, I embrace the grace of God, that unmerited favor. I embrace his mercy. But watch this, grace does not forfeit my responsibility to do my best and be my best. And there are many people that use grace just like that. Because I know grace covers me, I don't do right. I intentionally hold things in my heart some of you guys there are sins of the flesh that you committed then there are others of you guys it's not sins of the flesh it's just attitudinal sins you you're not you're not going around and 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 sleeping around or committing other no no but but you got this bitterness in your heart you have this unforgiveness in your heart and it's eating you alive some of you guys even right now and you just you just got in the back of your mind well i just love you i'm still going to heaven but i'm telling you there's a second judgment that all of us have to go through and I believe, according to Matthew 25, I believe, I believe that, that the three areas of the judgment, what did you do with your time? What did you do with your talent? What did you do with your treasure? What did you do with your time that I gave you? Jesus had three and a half years on earth. And because he had three and a half years on the earth, I, there's countless scriptures that I could have highlighted about his life where he was like, I don't have time. It's not my time. We're not doing that. He even told his mama, what does this have to do with me? She's asking him not for a miracle. She's asking him to waste time going to do something that somebody else should have done. Jesus says, no, I'm not doing that. Let me just perform this miracle. Y'all go get these jars. I'm going to work this out. When I got this revelation, it hit me that I can do better and I'm going to do better by the time God has given me, with the talents that he's given me, with the treasures, with the resources. Some, somebody came to me the other day and they was like, uh, Pastor, I think, you're, I think you're a good communicator. I think that you'd make an excellent um, um, motivational speaker. And they, and they started giving me all of these different uh, dollar figures and how much motivational speakers charge on different platforms and all that other kind of stuff. And, and maybe, maybe not, I don't know, but watch this. When I stand before the judge, it's not going to be said that I took the speaking gift that God gave me and the only thing I did with the speaking gift was profited from it personally. 
I'm gonna, it's going to be said that I took the gift that God gave me and ultimately I used it to bring about advancement for the kingdom of God. Time, talent, treasure. Time, talent, treasure. So I want to pray for you today. Either you're in one or two of those categories. Number one, you haven't even bowed your knee to him. Darkness is coming, whether it's by the return of Christ or whether it's by death. Darkness is coming. And will you be able to have a good judgment? Will your name be written in the Lamb's book of life? If you can say honestly, Pastor, no, or I simply, I don't know. I want to pray with you now. The scripture teaches that if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. What does that mean? That means that not only do I have faith in the passion story that he died for my sins, but I'm, I'm allowing him, I'm giving him room to be the Lord of my life. Not just Savior, but the scripture declares that if you would confess him as the Lord, that you will be saved. So bow with me now in prayer. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for these wonderful people, God, that are listening to words that you've given to me for them. There's some man, there's some woman, boy, girl that's asking now for the forgiveness of their sins. God, the, the things that they've said, things that they've done, things that they've even thought that was contrary to your will, plan for their lives. And they're confessing them now and they're saying, God, I'm sorry. So, Father, as they open up their mouths now and say, Lord, save me. Lord, I, I, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I want you to lead me and guide me. I'm done, of doing, I'm done doing life on my own. I'm, I'm done living life on my own terms. I want you to navigate my life to the place you want it to be. Save now, Jesus. Save now. Save now. Save now. Now, for the individual that's, that's listening to me and you're saying, well, Pastor, I am saved, but I fall in number two, the second category. I really haven't been giving my best. I'm not, I hadn't been doing my best, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready now. I'm, I'm ready because I'm motivated that night is coming. <laughs> that was the motivation Jesus gave to the disciples. Do, work while it's day. Do your best. Why? Because not, there's coming a time that no one is going to be able to work. Night is coming. So, Father, now in Jesus' name, as my brother, as my sister confess their failures to take advantage of the resources, the time, talent, and treasure that you've given to them, I pray now in Jesus' name, God, that you would forgive them even as they are asking now. And, God, not only would you ignite a passion in their spirit, God, to live an excellent life, to give their best, to do their best, and to be their best, but, Father, I pray that you would give them a strategy and a plan, Lord God, that would complement what their heart is set to do this very hour. Open the eyes of their understanding. Allow them to see you more clearly. Allow them to see the plans that you already have in store for them. God, I thank you. I bless you. And I give you praise now. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on and put those hands together all over this place. Lady McGee. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you ready when you are. 
And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time. Girl, you looking fine today. I just whatever, want you to know whatever. you're looking fine so today. I'm going to shout out my baby girl. Ah, I love you team. so very much. Amen. Yeah, Amen. I'm really, really excited, really proud of my girl. A little entrepreneur. Yeah. How about that? Nine years old. Absolutely. She got some clients this week, too. Ain't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we love you guys so very much again. Um, for those of you guys who desire to give, you'll see on the screen multiple ways to give. And I just want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. Um, all that you guys have continued to do to make sure that we're able to be the church and do ministry the way uh, God has called us to do in this hour. So thank you guys Amen. so much. And the building is looking good. We're making We're getting it together. Amen. To We're getting it together. together. Yes. Soon. So just stay connected. Amen. We love you and God bless you. We are church family. We are church family. That honors God. That honors God. In everything. In everything. We say and do. We say and do. Amen. Love God you guys so much. Y'all. Blessings to you.